Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 miles away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And Biden killed a terrorist. Thank you, Mr. President, for doing that. Nancy Pelosi did make it to Taiwan successfully. Nothing bad happened. So kudos to uh, the United States for standing up to Chinese aggression. And China hit Taiwan with a cyber attack as a thank you, a little F you in the face, Ufa. Because they decided, you know, we're, we're going to just mess you up because, you know, you're colluding with the damn Yankees. Now, more on that and various primary elections from earlier in the week. Uh, but first, I want to get a reaction to Pelosi. Now, this is a, a reaction from somebody that is uh, a former Trump advisor and not even somebody that I'm, I even know or anything like that. I'm not trying to call them out. This is just an idea that he's sharing that I think goes contrary to what I believe. So I want you to hear it and then I'm going to explain. I don't actually believe that this is a trip that Nancy Pelosi is taking to stand up to the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, or to protect the sovereignty of the people of Taiwan. I think it's, it's, it's either an influence peddling operation or a PR stunt with very grave consequences. Uh, China has made it very clear that they don't want us in Taiwan. And Nancy Pelosi is doing it at a time when we're in a recession mm. with inflation levels not seen since the 1970s. So naturally, we're going to start two confrontations simultaneously with nuclear powers after we've wasted two decades and trillions of dollars on failed wars. I think Nancy Pelosi is putting the world, not just America and mm. Taiwan, but the world in a perilous situation. And I think China will respond. They have no reason to rush that response. They can wait the 12 hours or whatever to, for her to leave Taiwan, and they will slowly tighten the noose around Taiwan's neck as a result of this trip. Okay, so let's take it from the top. Right. First of all, decades of failed wars. I think this is rhetoric that if we reversed it, decades of successful wars. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Nobody really talks about the success of war because war is a necessity. It's kind of like shooting a bad guy that comes into your house. Let's just say. Right. And again, not the best comparison, but we're going to stick with that one. You shoot somebody dead. You don't say that the success of my self-defense skills. I mean, somebody may position it that way, but typically we just talk about, you know, standing your ground. It's not about the success of the killing because we don't describe war in this type of language. We don't use these words. So when somebody says the, these failed wars, I, I don't know if we use war as a failure or a success. Somebody says, hey, F you and your mother, and you, you, you start fighting with this guy. It's not about winning or losing. It's about defending your mother's honor. Now, of course, you could take the route and say, hey, listen, you're not worth it, pal, and walk away. But I'm sure your mother's sitting there going, hey, 
I think you should have stood up for me and defended my honor. Or maybe she's saying, you're a good little boy. You didn't, you know, get a black guy and get a scrape on your knee. Whichever way you want to look at it. I mean, people are allowed to have different opinions. That's fine. No issue there. But this idea that we should leave people alone, forget about us, you know, um, Mind your business, America. America needs to stop being the world police. America needs to stay out of everything. They get their noses into everything. You know, every other country out there just saying, listen, just leave us alone. We just want to be left alone. Just imagine if that would actually have been the case in so much of our history. When different countries were to do things. And we, oh, we go, oh, no, 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 no. We, we, we're actually minding our business. We're going to let the, uh, the Nazis continue what they're doing. No, go right ahead. Go, carry on, folks. We're Americans. We're going to mind our business. We're just going to be forgotten here. The reason I don't like this rhetoric is because it reminds me of rhetoric that I've heard from some of the people that I feel are the most despotic, who I happen to despise. Guys like Fidel Castro, guys like Che Guevara, right? Now, good old Che, he was Argentinian, but he was a Cuban revolutionary. He was a major in this uh, Cuban revolutionary um, militia, military that was created and led by Castro and his brother. Now, what's interesting about this is that that same rhetoric, which, again, they didn't invent this stuff. They were hand in hand or fist in glove with the communists in Russia or back then the USSR who had missiles on their island pointed at us. So it's not like these people are our friends. But yet that's the rhetoric that seems to be abounding today. The same Russian rhetoric, USSR, Soviet rhetoric. It's all the same now. Back in 1964, this rhetoric was floating around the United Nations when Che Guevara gave a U.N. General Assembly speech. He's the minister of no sé qué. I don't even know what he was minister of. Minister of Interior or Minister of Infrastructure, I believe was his title. And he gives this uh, speech at the United Nations. And he, you know, talks about all those things that we're hearing today. The imperialists, the imperialism, the colonialism, the colonialists colonizers, right? Things AOC and Bernie Sanders say are now coming out of uh, the mouths of people that, you know, I I once considered uh, conservatives. And again, they can be conservatives that are pro-Putin. They can be conservatives that are pro um, this imperialism or anti-imperialism. That's fine. I'm not saying people should be pro-imperialism, but I don't think the United States is imperialism. And this all started because I was having lunch with somebody or breakfast. And I said, listen, the United States needs to have a formidable presence internationally and beyond in order to be the leader. That's it, point blank. If we just said, you know, we're going to close every last base that we have internationally. We're going to weaken ourselves militarily. We are no longer going to be a a force to be reckoned with on the, the global stage. Then guess what? People will no longer take us seriously. That's what's happening. And what happens when when people don't take you seriously? They begin to threaten you. They threaten your people. They're ready to do what they got to do. And this is why we see China and Russia and all these other places saying, no, you know what? Look, with a U.S. led by Biden, we could do whatever we want because nothing is going to happen to us. Nobody's going to stand up to us like Reagan did. This guy isn't Trump, right? These are the Joe Biden is the real mind your business candidate. Joe Biden is the real uh, no more wars candidate. That's totally him. No more forever wars. Go with Biden. Biden doesn't believe in security at all. Matter of fact, he'll like, leave the tanks, leave the the Humvees, leave the guns, leave it all. We don't need it. We're never going to war again. He's the ultimate pacifist. But Che Guevara, before I get off track, good old Che, 
he um, he gave his speech, and it's all in Spanish, and it's not translated, so I'm not going to do that for you. You can check that out if you want with the subtitles. It's all over YouTube. But he gave an interview to CBS News. I think it was uh, Face the Nation is their program. And it was eye-opening because all that rhetoric was back to life on display yet again. Good old Yankee go home. Check this out. Major Guevara, in your speech to the General Assembly day before yesterday, you accused the United States of helping Cuba's neighbors prepare new aggression against her. We, in turn, have often accused your government of abetting subversion in other Latin American countries. Do you see any way out of this situation, any way to improve relations? Now, mind you, here he is wearing his olive green garb, you know, this military, guerrilla military type of uniform, the, the scruffy beard, hair, you know, decently quaffed, uh, scraggly mustache, and he's smoking a Cuban cigar in the studio with these three um, broadcasters who will identify themselves right after this. Check this out. Here's the response. I think uh, with regards to solutions, there are solutions, and I think there is only one. We have said repeatedly to the government of the U.S., that we do not want anything but to forget us, that they, that they do not consider us even for good or evil. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? Forget about us. Stay away. That's China. Listen, we're trying to take over Taiwan. We're trying to steal the patents and, and technology of countries all over the place, including yours. We are sending people. We are buying farmland in your country. We're doing all of these things to subvert democracy in the United States. And when we can't do it, we will work with China. I mean, uh, we'll, China will work with Iran. They'll work with Cuba. They'll do whatever they have to do to fund proxy wars and do what they've got to do. Remember Angola, right? Remember when the Cubans took over Angola? It, not as if the Cuban army was this massive military force. They were working hand in glove with the Soviets at the time. This is what they do when they go unchecked. Now, you're thinking, but Rich, what do we have to do? we got to worry about our sovereignty before we can worry about Angola's sovereignty. Is that right? So we're going to allow them to take over this and take over that and take over this and take over that. And this country, a big fish, fish eats little fish, and they keep doing it. And now they've expanded the size of the Chinese empire, the Russian empire, to, to include all of these countries. And before you know it, we are surrounded by this new axis of evil where Russia and Iran and Cuba, and Venezuela, and you name it, every other enemy that we've ever had, they're all in cahoots together, and they're looking at us, licking their chops, saying, ah, you guys are useless, you're powerless, your economy's in a shambles, you're about to be destroyed, and we will own you. Not that hard, not that hard to figure out. That's what happens if you let the bad guys run amok. Just look at Washington. It's exactly what's happening. We, the people, aren't in charge anymore. They, the government. They, the politician. They're the ones that are in charge. That is the problem. Now, maybe you think I'm wrong. Maybe you think I'm crazy. I don't know. Either way, we're going to go back to this interview. It's only another minute or two that I want to play from it, but we're going to do that after the break. Don't go anywhere because I don't want you to miss it. This is Rich Valdez. You're listening to This is America on 1210 WPHT. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. 
Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. Para Inglés, o primo número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S. At Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And we were just talking about Che Guevara. Ernesto Che Guevara. The... Uh, Interior Minister or the Minister of Infrastructure and Industry in Cuba, also a major in their revolutionary military. And he was giving an interview to the three uh, CBS journalists back in 1964 following his speech at the U.N., which you can hear. And he talks about going against the imperialists that are trying to exploit the people. Again, you know, his modern day Cuban version of Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto. And it really just irks me that we have so many people today, people that believe in America, people that believe in liberty, people that believe in this country that buy into this nonsense. Now, I'm okay with disagreeing on foreign policy. If you want to say, look, I think we should never have these forever wars, I'm going to say no problem. I think we should have forever security. And I know what cost forever security comes from. We're not going to be able to sit down and have a deal and go, hey, listen, guys. You know, we're thinking we'll pull the bases out of your countries. If you guys just promise not to attack us, maybe you think, yeah, you want to you want I should make a deal with you. No, that's not going to happen. That's crazy. They're not going to go for that. I mean, some smaller countries might go for it because they believe in the United States, but they also believing that the United States is going to defend them, i.e. Ukraine many years ago when they gave up their nukes and they said, we'll do it. Uh, under the uh, Memorandum of Security Assurances because we believe the United States will step up and, and protect us as we've agreed to. And and we're trying to keep that commitment at the most minimal level because that's what's on paper. And I think that's why Biden's sending this unending, seemingly unending amount of money, which again, the, the pro-Putin patriots right away turn around and say, oh, we're giving more money to, to, to Zelensky for his photo shoots. Than, uh, than we are to the, to the guards at the, the border. Right, okay. Uh, again, uh, this is one of those things, I, and I laugh because it's not the same money. And I think it, you just have to have an understanding of how that works. Foreign aid is foreign aid. And the whole way we've always played the foreign aid game is we'll bribe you with foreign aid to stay out of something or to stay away from somebody else that we want to ostracize or the threat of military power. Those are really the only two ways. Some like to call it diplomacy, uh, I call it bribery and the heavy hand of a strong military. Maybe there's some nuance in the gray area in between, but that's ultimately what the UN does. That's ultimately how we handle foreign policy. 
I don't believe that there's some magical way that we use fancy, flowery, uh, well-positioned words and we get something. No. We have to promise them something. We have to cut a deal with them. We have to sell them some guns. We have to turn a blind eye. We have to say, all right, I'll let you do this one attack on that one person, but then that's it, you know, because those are our allies, and I don't want to rock the boat. And I have to say, Mr. Ambassador, I assure you that we had no knowledge of an attack from someone like that. We value our relationship with your country, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We want to build upon that, and as an act of good faith, and have a predetermined uh, peace offering based on somebody else's malfeasance. This is how we've done foreign policy forever. And some choose to do it differently, uh, like Trump. Trump said, look, he, he used the heavy hand of budget cutting and told the, the um, NATO folks, listen, I'm not going to give you this money. We're paying way too much to protect you. It doesn't make sense to me. You pay. They were like, what are you talking about? What are you, crazy? Because corruption has uh, taken root, and it's become systemic in so much of our foreign policy where people actually just funnel money from the United States in the name of foreign aid and kick it back to different companies through different corrupt enterprises back into the hands of American politicians and sometimes their children, a la Hunter Biden. So clearly there's a problem with that. And I'm not supporting the system that I just described. I'm just saying that's what it is and what it's been. It's why I like Trump and I like his approach to a lot of things because it made a lot of sense. Most of it. There's, you know, there's, there's issues where I don't think I see eye to eye on him, but I think for the most part, they're very effective. A lot of people criticize him for his position with China. I think he did a great job with China. I didn't like tariffs, but I like tariffs on China. Made sense to me. We need to hurt them as best we can, as often as we can, because otherwise they will come and hurt us. Period. The end. But, I've talked a lot and I've played very little of this audio and I do want you to hear it. So listen to these three journalists who will introduce themselves right now, interviewing Che Guevara, 1964. From New York City, Face the Nation, a spontaneous and unrehearsed news interview with Ernesto Che Guevara, Cuban Minister of Industry. Major Guevara will be questioned by CBS News United Nations correspondent Richard C. Hotlett. Ted Schultz of the Washington Bureau of the New York Times, and CBS News correspondent Paul Niven. Major Guevara, you said a moment ago you would simply like us Americans to forget Cuba. Uh, Your speech the other day suggested that you can't forget us. You you consider us a hostile government 90 miles away. How can you expect us to forget you? Hmm. I didn't say exactly that you that I expected to forget this. You asked a solution, and I said, what was that solution in the present moment? If it's possible or not, that's another question. <laughs> I have to stop it right there to say, isn't that fascinating? You have to see the smirk on his face. The smirk on his face is he's saying, well, I said that there's a solution. Now, you asked for a solution, I provided a solution. But, <laughs> yes, yes, ha, 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 yes. Doesn't mean that it's a realistic one or a feasible one. Well, sir, then why are you talking, right? You're here representing your country because he's not there for that. He's here for the purpose of slamming America, trashing America, and promoting his Marxist agenda. That's what these guys do. That's what they believe in. This is what they love. Now, the, the reason I take so much exception to this is because that is Marxism overall. 
You've got colleges across America teaching this idea of socialism and Marxism and Bernie Sanders and AOC, and they're championing this cause saying, oh, it's great, free health care, you deserve it. This is what the government exists for, to pay your medical bills. And, and they brainwash everybody into thinking this, and then they hear me, and then they're thinking, you know, why are you so radical, Rich? Why is it that you're so against people being healthy? I'm not against any of that. I'm against using taxpayer dollars to cover private industry expenses. That's what I'm against. I don't think it's the government's job to provide um, my health care. If I have a medical issue, I don't want Che Guevara in charge of my, my health issues. I want that to be private between me and a doctor that I pay or an insurance company that I pay to pay my doctor. I don't even like the fact that my employer might even know what's going on. What, what if, you know, what if you're negotiating a big uh, on-air contract for 15 years, but you, you only, uh, you know, you have something that could potentially scare them off. And they're like, oh, this guy, you know, he has, I don't know, um, a rare case of uh, swine flu. And uh, that may prevent them from being, that could crush your contract. Right? So I just think they have no business being in your health care. And the more private your health is, the better. That's your right. It's not my right for the government to, to provide me a doctor. It's not my right. But anyway, that's a whole separate issue. My, my point in bringing it up is that they try to make it seem like unless you have government health care, you're totally wrong and you're in a bad place. So now here he is with this smirk on his face and he's saying, look, I said that there was a p- potential solution. It's the ultimate idea of Marxism. Marxism sounds fantastic. When you say, you know, we're going to, the workers are going to own part of the company. It's, it's the workers of America uniting. We're going to come after the big, bad capitalist pigs that are greedy and ruining society. And everything sounds so flowery. The problem is this doesn't work. It doesn't work. He who didn't build the business doesn't get to own the business that someone else built. And when I say he, it's the universal he, she, it, one, they, zer, z, etc., That's not fair. And that's the Marxist mantra, at least part of it. But we're going to let him continue. Ahmed Guevara, on several opportunities recently, Premier Fidel Castro has suggested in interviews with visiting newspaper men and on other occasions that a new effort be made to normalize relations between Cuba and the United States, particularly in the field of trade and exchanges. as an economist, do you feel yourself that a resumption of relations of this nature would be useful or welcome for Cuba? In other words, would you like to see the relations normalized? We're going to hit a commercial real quick and his response. Again, the, the part of the question was, as an economist. Now, again, I don't know, and maybe I'm misunderstanding this. I, I believe Mr. Guevara was a physician. Uh, a medical doctor. I didn't know that he was uh, an economist and perhaps the guy asking the question is the economist, but um, that just seemed like an unnecessary addition to the question. But either way, it's neither here nor there. That's just me being uh, odd. That's me being neurodivergent. It's my ADD kicking in. Anyway, folks, stick with me. It's Rich Valdez. This is America right here on WPHT. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. 
Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. The 45th President Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Mr. Call Screener. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And I'm working my way through a three-minute clip of Che Guevara uh, being interviewed by CBS News. And my ADD gets the better of me. I keep jumping in. But let us continue allowing uh, Mr. Guevara to answer the question that was asked right before the break, which was, do you see as an economist how this would uh, benefit uh, Cuba? And I will rewind it uh, just a tad. Let's move it back just so that we can uh, get the question included. Thank you. Go right ahead. Deal of trade and exchanges. Uh, as an economist, do you feel yourself that the resumption of relations of this nature would be useful or welcome for Cuba? In other words, would you like to see the relations normalized? Not as an economist because I have never considered myself an economist. Well, thank you for uh, clarifying that, because I, I, like I said, I didn't know he was an economist. The guy was a medical doctor. Continue. It's great to see these journalists are very prepared. But only an official of the Cuban government as another Cuban. I think harmonious relations with the U.S. would be very good for us from the economical point of view more than in any other field because all our industry has been established by the US and primary products and repair parts that we have to make with much difficulty or to bring from other areas could come directly so there we have a very interesting clip right good old Che Guevara, Mr. Minister of the Industry in Cuba, an economist, not an economist. I'm not a biologist, by the way, and he does appear to be a man in my best humble opinion. The reason I played all of that was to make the case to you, to everybody who's listening, who anybody's still listening and hasn't said this guy's off the deep end, that it's important for the United States to be involved in international affairs. This idea that, you know, we are globalists and globalists are bad. And if you're not a globalist, then you're good. This is a very, very silly notion. It really is. This idea of globalism came about in the 1990s, 2000s, came very popular. It was around for longer than that, but it became very popular. And it was talking about a global economy. And it was pushed mainly by people probably from China that were saying, look, we have the capacity to be the world's biggest producer of everything, gadgets, uh, widgets, you name it, we can make this stuff. And I was just having this conversation. I always use this, uh, these anecdotal stories about where I get my coffee in the morning. Cuban immigrant came here on a jet ski, uh, took him five or six hours from Havana to Key West years ago. And he loves America, but he's a rather liberal Democrat supporting Cuban, which are not super easy to find. Most Cubans, I know, are, are, are conservative uh, Republicans. But again, we get along great. I, you know, I, I've always been that guy that welcomes all theories, all thoughts, all beliefs. And I, I'm not your friend because of your politics. I'm your friend because I like you. So 
I consider him a friend. He's a good guy, and he makes an amazing cup of coffee. Anyway, bottom line is we're talking about this stuff because the other day when I was there, I was explaining to him that, you know, I had moved from Brooklyn, New York to Jersey, and I went to North Bergen High School. And when kids were having a fight after school in North Bergen High School, we'd go to Cottage Avenue. And when you went to Cottage Avenue, there were nothing but factories there, textile factories all over North Bergen, Union City, uh, West New York. That whole area of Hudson County, New Jersey, was um, known as the embroidery capital of the world. And there's still some uh, homage to that. There's like sculptures in Union City of sewing machines and there's a sign hanging somewhere that said, uh, I think it says North Bergen, the embroidery capital of the world. And this is where they were making stuff and they were producing stuff and they were embroidering stuff. And there was still industry in America before Bill Clinton allowed the Chinese to become part of the world trade organization by lobbying for them to become part of the world trade organization, which in turn opened up this push towards everybody sending stuff to China to be produced. And their economy has grown dramatically. They've grown their military dramatically. And now they're threatening to shoot an American congressperson, the Speaker of the House of of Representatives, out of the sky. Now, clearly, this is what the foreign policy folks like to call saber-rattling and whatever they want to call it. I call it estupidez. That's what my dad would call it. You know, stupidity. And it's because they want to flex. Everybody wants to flex because now they have a new aircraft carrier and, and, and they need to test the water. They've got to see how much can we push Joe Biden? How much will he accept? How far can we go with this guy? And that's what they're finding out. Now, of course, some of you might have the idea he's sold out to the Chinese. There's a lot of at least uh, circumstantial evidence that's pointing to that direction that there might at least at a minimum be a conflict of interest. And that's putting it generously. But it's not a foregone conclusion. I still think that he has uh, some responsibility to we the people. But the response that we got from Biden was an incredibly weak one that, to me, abandoned we the people the same way he abandoned the Americans that were in Afghanistan, saying Speaker Pelosi uh, will do what she wants, but we don't think she should go. The American military thinks it's a bad idea. How on earth do you give a response like that when you know that these people hate us and they just said they want to shoot this woman out of the sky? In a flag uh, the, with an American flag on her plane, red, white and blue. They shoot her. They shoot me. They shoot you. It's an attack on America, not an attack on Pelosi. They wanted Pelosi dead, they would have killed her. But no, Rich, you don't understand. It's because she she made this deal. Her husband, Paul, when he wasn't drinking and driving, he decided to make a deal for computer chips, and now they passed this chip bill, and uh, that's why she's there. This is all a diversion so that they won't come after her. Are you kidding me? She makes a trip to Taiwan to for as a diversion? Nancy Pelosi, who they sit there and they tell her, Nancy, you're telling people you shouldn't go, they shouldn't get their hair done, but there's video of you in a salon that's shut down. What do you have to say? Ah, rah, 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 right? That's her answer all the time. Rah, 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 rah. Thank you very much. Good night. That's it. She's never been held accountable when they even try to hold her accountable. She's like, hey, F you. No, thanks. Thanks for knowing anything. I'm not going to answer. Next question, please. Pelosi's never feared anything like that. So what, a trip to Taiwan is somehow going to prevent her, her husband, from going to jail for insider trading? She already dealt with that when they said, did you do any insider trading? No. And she walked away. (laughs) It's that simple. When you have that kind of power, you have that kind of power. 
So no, I don't think she went there as a diversion. An 81-year-old woman decided to jump on a plane to go to Taipei because, you know, Taipei's lovely this time of year. As uh, Pauly D from Jersey Shore would say, Taipei's lovely this time of year. No, of course not. That's not how that works. At least in my opinion, it doesn't work that way. So I don't think any of that. Now, do I think she went as some sort of ultra patriot? No, I think she went as a gangster. That's what she is. She's a government gangster. And she said, you know what? These guys are talking all this smack. They're going to invade Taiwan. And one of my last acts as one of the most powerful people in America, I'm going to go there and I'm going to do a few things. She probably cut herself a couple of deals, shook a few hands, made sure that now when she retires soon, soon enough, that there's a deal there. Maybe there is some money on the side for Paul Pelosi. Because, again, that's how they work. They've made fortunes this way. Understood. But I don't think you, you could do some of those things on the phone. I mean, maybe she had to do it in person. Maybe it was Nancy La Bruja Pelosi saying, you know, you got to send. Don't ever send a boy to do a man's job. Right. And she decided, I'm going to go there. Wait, I'm not a biologist, but I'm going to jump on my broom and I'm going to go and take care of this to make sure it gets handled appropriately. That's a possibility. But it just I'm not sold on it. I really do think that she wanted to solidify the message that, you know what? Look, Biden may be weak and he may be falling apart. But guess what? The rest of us are still awake. I might be old and I might lose my teeth every now and again, but I still know good from bad, just even if it's just a little bit. And don't go getting crazy with Taiwan because we're about to lose this election. And there's going to be a bunch of crazy ultra MAGA, MAGA King Republicans that are warmongers and they're going to want to do this and that. The thing is that the MAGA movement is not a warmonger movement. So I don't know that she'd even be right in saying that. But needless to say, I think that she sent an incredible message to a lot of people. She sent it to Biden. She sent it here. She sent it there. She sent it everywhere. Because I think she sees the writing on the wall and she's thinking, look, I've got two things facing me. I can retire or I could take out Harris and then make myself the third in line because Joe's clearly come. He's out. He's out. Or I can make a deal with Harris where I can become the vice president, be the brains behind the machine. She could be the funny face and that goes, <laughs> <laughs> right. And then uh, and we both push Joe out and she's got the power to push Joe out. She's got a lot of power. So I don't know. But I do believe Joe is going to be out. So two morals to this story. Pelosi is still bad. Yes, she's a witch. But Joe Biden is incredibly compromised and not necessarily because he's being blackmailed or he's beholden to Xi Jinping. He's mentally compromised. He's, he, his age is getting the better of him. He doesn't have the strength and the wherewithal to do this job effectively. And I think that was made incredibly clear. A. B, we as Americans, we have to really make sure that we know exactly what's going on in our country. We have to make sure that we are not adopting the talking points of communist Russia, communist Soviet Union, Che Guevara, Fidel Castro, Venezuela. We, we can't sound like them. We have to know about what they're saying. When they're saying, Yankee, go home. When they're saying, just mind your business. We don't want you to even consider us. Just leave us alone. You've got to think, well, if that's what the Marxists want, is that necessarily what we should be giving them? Exactly what they want? Think about that for a second. Anyway, there is more to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. This is America. He's got the best head of hair in podcasting. This is America with Rich Valdez. 
All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Big shout out to everybody listening on your favorite podcast. Take two. Big shout out to everybody listening on your favorite podcast platform. I know how to spoke it. I promise you I do. And uh, everybody listening on 1210 WPHT Philly. Always a pleasure to be with you guys. Now, I am uh, just some quick housekeeping. I want to thank you guys. Last week, I got my uh, weekly email on the ratings. We were still in the top 200, which, you know, we go uh, in and out of that. Sometimes top 100, top 200, you know, uh, during the summertime months, sometimes people go on vacation and forget to listen. So I'm thankful for those of you that didn't forget that are subscribed to the podcast, whether it's through um, one of the, the podcast apps or Apple podcast or iHeartRadio app, however you stream it, streaming and podcast is all the same thing for anybody who's wondering that if you're listening it to something other than on an AM or FM radio, you are streaming and, or you listening to the podcast. And I appreciate it because you get to listen to it whenever you want. Uh, every now and again, I like to listen to the show. If I forgot what I said in a previous show, I just say something like Siri, Play This Is America with Rich Valdez. And then it starts playing, which I love. And if you have an iPhone, your phone might be playing the show right now after hearing that command. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I want to get into a couple of other topics because I'm, I'm tired of Pelosi and, and the, uh, the Marxist movement. Uh, I think I've done that to death so far. But there's more. There's more in, on other things that I want to talk about. You got Greg Abbott, who uh, has been uh, sending all of those immigrants to the um, District of Columbia, and she's still freaking out. Well, one uh, San Francisco judge just struck down a scheme allowing illegal aliens to vote because they were trying to do what they tried in New York to get them to vote locally. Apparently, some Democrats thought that it was a good idea, but the judge said, no, 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 there'll be no voting for non-citizens. So um, kudos to the judge on that one. Now, Karine Jean-Pierre, I don't have a nickname for her yet, but she is the White House press secretary. She had something interesting to say, and I, wanna, I want you to listen to this. What's the difference between Texas busing migrants to D.C. and the federal government flying migrants to, say, New York in the middle of the night and other cities? It's very different because we're not doing it as, a, as using migrants as a political pawn. <laughs> Got it! <laughs> What's the <laughs> Now, that, that was a meme, uh, truth be told, but uh, that really was her. And yes, I laughed just as hard the first time I saw it. Now, she, she's right in a sense that Abbott is not doing this as an official uh, function of United States immigration law the way they are doing it under the cover of, of this is part of our legal responsibility as the federal government. He's saying, hey, look, I've got bus rides over here. You guys want to go? All right, beat it. Take care. Brush your hair. Good seeing you. Um, that part of it is, you know, the accurate part of it. But I, they're both political pawns, right? Well, the, the Biden administration is allowing unchecked immigration at the southern border for why, for what? For nothing other than to create a new voting population. Now, if you're thinking, Rich, you're crazy. They're not doing that. They're just bleeding heart liberals that are letting people in. Okay, you know what? I'm flexible on this. I'll go with your story. Either way, it's bad news. And how do I know? Because I use my sounding board, an immigrant who came here legally under the wet foot, dry foot program uh, where Cubans were allowed to have at least one foot in water and one foot on dry land in the United States and could qualify for asylum here. And this guy that I told you about who makes my coffee in the morning, this guy is terrific. Came here five, six hours on a jet ski from Key West, I mean, from La Havana, Cuba, 
to Key West. And he tells me, I don't find it correct that they're allowing everybody in. He said, I came here under this program, wet foot, dry foot, and and I realized I was taking a risk, but I was fleeing a country that they would have killed me if they knew I was leaving. And they had patrols, and we had to dodge those patrols. And I tried to leave the right way, and they wouldn't let me leave. And he had family here and all this stuff, whatever. So that was the way he got here in that time was illegal. It was a legal way to come in as part of the U.S. immigration policy. Now, what's happening now, and in many ways it's been changed, right? Uh, Mayorkas and Biden have changed the rules of the game. They've said that, you know, when you're seeking asylum from whatever country, Honduras, let's say, and you arrive in the United States, we're going to relax some of our rules and let you in. The problem is you can't just do that. The um, America First Legal, I think they're called Legal Foundation, uh, they're suing the Biden administration and they very well might win. Because they're saying just the same way like Pennsylvania decided to change election laws for the 2020 election, the same way that they did that, they weren't allowed to do it. They had to go through the legislature and create this new way of doing thing, new doing things, I should say, is the same way that they've changed things at the border and they've turned our border agents into travel agents. This is problematic. And it's something that we have to be cognizant of and realize that somebody needs to tell Biden what you're doing is wrong or tell him that it's right. Say, you know what, you're allowed to do that. But I think they're going to find it wrong because most people are going to say if you're leaving Honduras or if you're leaving uh, Guatemala and you cross through other countries to get to the United States because you're fleeing persecution in your home country, if you've crossed two or three other countries to get to the United States, you were already away from your threat and therefore you should be rejected. And uh, this was something that was explained to me by Tom Holman, former ICE director. And I did an interview with him uh, filling in on a nationally syndicated show. And I'll actually grab a, a clip of that interview and I'll drop it into the podcast feed as a bonus. If you want to hear that, just check out the podcast feed for This Is America with Rich Valdez and you can hear it. But it was a really interesting and eye opening thing. So as long as Biden is changing and fudging around with immigration law, we're going to be screwed. This is why I always say, look, you've got to stand for something. Because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. That's part of what's going on here. Biden's taken advantage of his position as the commander in chief. I think he's exceeded his authority. And that needs to be adjudicated in the courts. And they're, of course, going to keep that uh, in limbo in the courts as long as they possibly can. Why? Because this is what they want to do. They want to be able to say, no, we're going to relax asylum laws. No, we're going to, instead of having these guys chase these guys around, we're just going to, you know, we're going to set up a table and start checking them in. And I know that because my buddy from the Cuban coffee shop, he told me he's got friends of his that are leaving Cuba on a plane. They're going to Nicaragua and they pay a coyote in Nicaragua $4,000. And he says, I will get you into the United States. And when you get here, try to flag down a border patrol agent and they'll take care of the rest. It's literally a scam. And Biden is in on it. Biden is overseeing the biggest human smuggling operation in American history. And it's happening from the White House. It's a damn shame and it needs to stop. So we're going to continue to monitor that and keep you up to speed on what's going on with that. There's a lot more that I wanted to share with you, but I'll leave that for the next episode. Oh, and before I forget, there was something I wanted to share with you. Totally off the beaten path, but MTV's Video Music Awards are coming to New Jersey. They're usually in 
L.A. at the Staples Center. I think the last time they were in Jersey was 2019. And then the year before that, in 2018, they were in New York City. And that was a big deal because they're always in L.A. Now, you're wondering, why do you care? I love that stuff. I don't always like the culture and the sex, drugs, and rock and roll that comes out of the VMAs. But I am a connoisseur of music. I like pop music. I like hip-hop. I like reggae. I like reggaeton. That's the uh, Spanish reggae that came out of uh, Panama and made its way through Puerto Rico. And uh, it's a phenomenal genre. If you've heard of Bad Bunny, that's his uh, his thing. Now, and a lot of people think he's promoting a lot of crazy agendas, and he very well may be, just like a lot of people in Hollywood. But I haven't really boycotted music because I, I disagree with their politics. As you know, it's just not how I roll. I don't do that. And a matter of fact, I was spent some years uh, supporting the VH1 Save the Music Foundation because they help kids to learn about music education in the classroom. And uh, I had started a charter school back in 2010 with uh, former education commissioner Brett Schundler in Jersey City. And I've always believed in music education. I think it's a great thing. And sometimes I host red carpet parties for that stuff. So guilty as charged. But I thought it was a cool thing that it was coming to Jersey. Anyway, so make sure you tune in for that. This is America with Rich Valdez. You can check it out live noon on Saturdays, 6 a.m. on Sundays, 1210 WPHT, or anytime you want, as long as you're subscribed for free. There's no cost for that. The only thing you've got to do is endure the three-minute commercial break where you hear ads that you may or may not like. I like them because they're making this show free for you to listen to, and that to me is very important because I don't want to have to charge anybody, and I like the fact that somebody is paying my bills. So, <laughs> hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America, I am Rich Valdez. And this is America. This is America. 